Hello, Don't Praise the Machine community, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine, the podcast. This is episode number 28. My name is Alexander Holland, and I'm coming to you live from Kreuzberg, Berlin, Germany. And with me this morning, as always, is my number one co-pilot. John Maloney. Coming to you live from the cold, hard streets of Carlton, Victoria. So, John, as regular listeners to Don't Praise the Machine will know, you've come up with a fresh and exciting concept mm-hmm. in films, and mm. that's the thread through. We got a lovely submission last week from Sebastian, uh, which you took on, and we got a lot of very positive feedback from that. People really loved the idea of Philomena and Cats coming together at last, as so many people had prayed would happen, and you made it happen. <laughs> for those who have just dipped into the podcast for yeah. the first time, yeah, I, you know, we're obviously getting hundreds of brand new listeners each week. Every day. Starting to pile up. They're yeah. dipping in. They're not familiar with the lore of the podcast yet. Perhaps you could just give a brief explanation of what a thread through is. Yeah, sure. The first thing I'd say to those people is, Started episode one because there is a narrative arc that's now 28 <laughs> episodes long. Pretty subtle, but it's there. Um, yeah, you'll get it eventually. We've got a 10-year <laughs> plan. Wait until, wait until 2031, guys. There's, yeah. a, and they'll a, go, there's a big reveal. There's a big go, reveal. Oh, that's what, grim, that's what all that fucking grimace was about. Um, oh, Alex <laughs> was dead the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so the thread through is essentially my effort to add something to the current climate, the current appetite for various permutations of sequels, prequels, spin-offs, high-ends and all that palaver. And what it does is if you've got an actor that's played two distinct roles in two distinct films or perhaps even one role on TV and another role on film. Mm. And there's nothing that those two pieces of storytelling have in common. You can produce a thread through, which is an attempt to retrospectively tie together those two pieces (laughs) of storytelling. So the example that we kicked off with in week one was Newman from Seinfeld turns into Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park. Of course, they're both played by the actor Wayne Knight. Uh, Last week, we talked about Dame Judi Dench in Philomena eventually evolving into (laughs) old Deuteronomy from Cats. So it's a way of, I think you said, and it's quite an apt summary, it's a way of turning the first of two films into, in a sense, the origin story for the second film. The origin story. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. That was very succinct. That helps. So we received... An absolute avalanche of thread throughs, which we really appreciated. And we've been picking the ones that we want to really explore. Mm. And this week I've taken on a suggestion from a much beloved Don't Praise, a much beloved member of the Don't Praise the Machine community. That's Ben Kerville. Hi, Ben. So, hey, Ben, we want to say real thanks for your thread through. So Ben has suggested a thread through of the actor Dennis Hopper. And the thread through needs to be between the character of Frank that he played in Blue Velvet and the character that he played named President Cooper in the original (laughs) 
Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993. Not the recently announced Mario movie, which has been making waves in the media. We're talking the original Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993, which no doubt a lot of people won't remember, but that's fine. I'll explain it to you. <laughs> Some, it's definitely worth checking out if you if you haven't. So Ben wrote in and he just wrote, Al and John, how did Frank become President Cooper? And I said, well, Ben, I'm very happy that you asked and I'm happy to explain. So a bit of a quick plot synopsis of both movies for anyone who uh, who either hasn't seen them or needs a quick refresh. Blue Velvet is a 1986 neo-noir mystery thriller film written and directed by David Lynch. And in Blue Velvet, college student Jeffrey Beaumont, played by Kyle MacLachlan, returns to his hometown after his father Tom suffers a near-fatal stroke. Mm-hmm. On his walk home from the hospital, Jeffrey discovers a severed ear in a vacant lot and soon mm-hmm. learns that it probably has something to do with local lounge singer Dorothy played by Isabella Rossellini. Jeffrey becomes intrigued with Dorothy and naturally breaks into her apartment one night, uh, but she arrives home too early and <laughs> finds him hiding in a closet. She then proceeds to uh, produce a knife and perform oral sex on him. Jeffrey hops back into the closet and we then meet Frank. Frank is a psychopathic drug lord prone to fits of violence and sexual assault who also has a penchant for huffing a gas stimulant via a medical mask connected to a canister. This also results in Frank reverting to a childlike state where he begins to weep and seek sympathy from Dorothy and pleads with her in a childlike voice, baby wants to fuck. (laughs) Oh, God. It's a great film. Super Mario Brothers, the movie... (laughs) is a 1993 action-adventure comedy film based loosely on the Mario video game series by Nintendo. Its story follows the Mario brothers in their quest to rescue Princess Daisy from a dystopic parallel universe ruled by the ruthless President Cooper, played by Dennis Hopper. Mm. So that's just the two films for anybody who needed a quick refresh. Now for the thread through. Now I've created a brand new script, which I'm pitching right here for you yeah and my film gonna be called super velvet (laughs) love it already my film opens at the tail end of the blue velvet universe where jeffrey is found once again hiding in the closet in much the same way he had earlier in the movie frank is in the living room played by dennis hopper he's just by the closet he's huffing gas like he loves to (laughs) frank opens the closet and Jeffrey, waiting with a handgun, shoots him in the forehead, killing him instantly, or at least extinguishing the mortal form of Frank from the realm of Lumberton, North Carolina in 1986. Indeed, the world that these complicated characters inhabit was in fact much more than it appeared on the surface. And although most of the townsfolk of Lumberton were devout Christians who would have expected a character like Frank to pay for his sins and be banished to the fires of hell for all eternity. It turns out that all the classic faiths of the world got the afterlife completely wrong, and you actually end up in a parallel universe inhabited by humanoid dinosaurs. Now, perhaps because of Frank's previous life as a cranky old psychopath in a leadership role, the mysterious gods of the Mushroom Kingdom rebirth Frank in the parallel dinosaur-humanoid dimension as cranky old President Cooper. Disorientated and confused by this unexpected afterlife, Cooper or Frank, played by Dennis Hopper, asks around to see what the bloody hell is going on here. (laughs) One of his henchmen explained to him that this world he now inhabits 
is based loosely on the Mario Brothers video game series by Nintendo. Even more confused, Frank Cooper remarks that he's quite familiar with the Nintendo game video universe of Super (laughs) Mario Brothers, and that this world bears almost no resemblance or relation to that of the Mario video game series from Nintendo. Indeed, Super Mario Brothers the video game can best be described as light, colourful, playful and fun, whereas this world just looks a bit like The Matrix when Neo wakes up naked and bald in the slime pod with all the tubes (laughs) coming out of him and there's just lightning strikes and darkness and squid-like monster robots harvesting our energy and using us as human batteries. And then Morpheus takes Neo out of the pod and explains that this is the real world now and actually Neo has been living in the fake Matrix world his whole life, which is actually just a simulation made from computers. Yeah, this does look a bit like that Earth in the Matrix, says the henchman. Hey, says Frank Cooper to the henchman, did you know that this Mario Brothers movie that we are in right now is the first feature-length live-action film to be based on a video game? God knows how many dreadful video game movies have come out in the last 28 years, but this was the first one. And the (laughs) film was directed by a husband and wife team. No kidding, says the henchman. Hey, speaking of directing duos and speaking of the Matrix movie like you were before President Cooper, did you know that the Matrix film was directed by then Wachowski brothers Larry and Andy, but since the original Matrix films, both brothers have transitioned to trans women and now go by Lana and Lily and are the Wachowski sisters. I only mention it because I swore I remember it was the Wachowski brothers that did the original film. And then when I looked it up recently on the internet to see if they were involved in the upcoming Matrix 4 movie, the internet kept saying Wachowski sisters. And then I was like, wait, have I misremembered this? Was it the Wachowski sisters that directed the original films? So then I worked out from some more reading that the Wachowskis had both come out as transgender a few years ago, and I was thankful that it wasn't my memory playing up again because I swear to God I'm finding it harder and harder to remember the names of films and actors and singers and everything these days, and it really worries me. Matrix 4, you say? said President (laughs) Cooper. How much do you want to bet that turns out to be a one-star piece of cynical Hollywood trash that just exists to make a quick buck? Like this fucking thing that we are in right now. Hollywood has gone to (laughs) shit, and I urge everyone out there, don't pay money anymore to see movies based on existing intellectual property. You're being used by corporations who think you're all just a bunch of infantilized moronic suckers. Prove them wrong. Don't give your hard-earned money away. No more superhero movies or sequels. Support original scripts and independent films, said Frank Cooper. And everyone in the Don't Praise the Machine community heeded the wise words of Frank Cooper and never went to see another comic book movie ever again. The end. Lovely. It turned out to have a semi-autobiographical twist. Um, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about the adventures that I've been having today. Oh, oh, oh I'm all ears. <clears throat> I'm a little bit busy at work, but today I got up and I rang the law firm that's briefing me and I said, look, I know I said that I'd have this work done by today, but I need to attend to some urgent podcast business. Okay. And they said, we're getting a little bit tired <laughs> of you saying that and we don't, <laughs> and we don't. We don't know what you're referring to and it's not our business to know. And we have, you've signed a contract 
Anyway, I hung up and I. (laughs) (laughs) I hung up and I left the house and I went on an excursion from Carlton where I live to Richmond in Melbourne. Okay. And uh, Richmond's a funny old place. It's kind of gentrified a great deal in recent decades, but still has some kind of interesting and dodgy parts. So, you know, you go, you walk around Richmond and some of the most beautiful houses in Melbourne are there, but then you turn a corner and things can be quite dicey. As an aside, I bumped into a guy and it was pissing down and I was standing in a little um, alcove to, to get out of the rain and this guy walked past and he asked me if I had something. And I think he used the word chalk and I thought he said change and I, and I said, chalk. nah, sorry, I don't have any cash on me. And he said, no, no, do you, do you, do, do you have any chalk? And I just kind of looked confused and he said, do you, he said, do you do ice? So I just oh, kind no. of forced him to drop the street lingo and because I'm so sheltered, he had to just refer to it by its normal name. Just for our international audience, ice yeah. is a very purified, strong form of methamphetamine, very yeah. popular in Australia. It's, it's really, um, it's really Breathe new life into a lot of country towns in Australia. Uh, <laughs> right. a, lot of, a lot of people getting right into it at the moment, which is great. Uh, it's really uh, trending for the last decade or so in A lot of Australia. very busy magistrates' courts, thanks to ICE. Um, so he asked you if you had any chalk and you said, I don't know what that I is. Said, and he said, I said, no, ice. I think, yeah, he said, do you do ICE? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, he kind of looked surprised and he said, oh, you don't do it. Okay. <laughs> and he actually said, he said, good boy. And I was oh. like, thanks. Um, I'm 38, but, and also. Yeah. Uh, Pretty low bar. I, I hold, hold myself to a slightly higher standard than not doing <laughs> ice. But, um, but anyway, on I went. And the reason I was there is because I read an article about a place called Picture Search in Richmond, which is the last of the DVD rental stores in Melbourne. Oh. And of course, DVD and VHS rental stores were. A fixture of um, of our childhoods and people from our generation, but in recent times, surprisingly recent, in fact, a couple of the last of the rival uh, DVD stores in Melbourne have shut down, and it's got a bit of an interesting story behind it. It's owned by this guy Derek Devroit, and he he's he's almost the sort of obscure video store owner straight out of Central Casting. He's kind of like tall and lanky and long hair and quiet spoken and really into like really into what he's doing. And, um, he used to be a postie and used to be like a bank clerk and had a few other little gigs. Anyway, then in, in about 2000, he saw a sign on the store that preceded picture search, which was also a video store. And it was basically indicating that they're having a closing down sale. So they were getting rid of all of their videos and DVDs and they were closing down and he liked the store and was kind of a fan of that kind of stuff generally. So he made this apparently very snap decision to buy all of the VHS tapes that they had on sale more or less at like cost price and start renting it as his own video store and he's held on to it ever since. So he was quite late to the game really. He's only you know, less than a decade after that, I guess, where they started to come under a fair bit of pressure, DVDs and video stores. Yeah. But 
uh, Picture Search now has something like 35,000 DVDs. Wow. And, uh, and so I went down there to kind of see what it was like for myself. It's about an hour's walk, walk down. I might even post a little picture on our Instagram stories because it's this kind of somewhere you can imagine being the sort of last video store in Melbourne in the movies. Like it's this kind of very out of the way, slightly disheveled looking shop front and you go in and there's just kind of floor to ceiling DVDs all marked with the little stickers that indicate whether they're short term, long term rentals, new releases, whatever. And he's he's been able to stay afloat because they also sell vinyl, although that's only a decision he's made very recently, I think, because otherwise the shop was going to close down. Yeah. And I went in and had a look around and it was great. It was like exactly as those kinds of stores would have been, you know, floor to ceiling DVDs with the stickers on the on the spines and kind of yellowing posters from old yellowing posters from old movies, which had obviously been there for years and years. He didn't have a computer on his desk or anything. He did he did all of the he does all of the like bookkeeping and stuff manually. So he's just got all these like piles of handwritten notes. And when I because I ended up buying just to kind of, you know, because I'd made the trip and I loved it. Um, I bought a couple of records. I don't even have a record yeah, player, but I thought <laughs> the odds of me getting, I th- I have been thinking about getting a record player and I thought the odds of me getting one are much higher than me getting a video recorder or a DVD player. So um, I'll just buy a couple of records. And it was this kind of really, it was a very nostalgic experience because I think you sort of forget it made me think, you know, when I browse online now, when I'm on, you know, if you go on like Amazon or whatever, um, I'm always kind of in some way, you know, subconsciously or whatever, comparing it to the physical experience of browsing. And mm. it's interesting to think about the differences between that and, you know, what you get, particularly when you get these kind of eccentric characters like him. I mean, I was buying a record and he was trying to talk me into buying a record, which was actually cheaper because he considered it to be a slightly better album. It was John Prine album. And um, was kind of talking to me about various career phases of John Prine and whatever. So it was like a kind of, it was a genuinely sort of interactive and quite lovely sort of human experience. And as well as that, you just presented with all of this stuff, which he's curated as opposed to, you know, some algorithm that you don't see basically predetermining anything that you get exposed to and, and get, that gets pushed at you to buy. So it was, it was lovely. And then, uh, and then I bought two records. Which one did you, which one did you buy? Uh, it's a live album. Uh, what does the cover look like? It's got, it's a sort of caricature of him. Here it is. Uh, John Prine live. It's a 1990 album, actually. Um, Hang on. Do you got this on vinyl? Yeah. Wait, um, can you? Um, apparently, it's the first time it's been repressed. This, is my, this, was, this was my question because I wanted to buy that and it was like hundreds of dollars because oh. it hadn't been repressed yet. But that's a really excellent album. That's got my favorite version. Right, isn't it? Of, that's got the version of That's the Way That the World Goes Round. Yeah. Where he tells the happy enchilada story. Yeah, that's right. And he's all of his kind of 
asides to the crowd are just very charming and funny. Oh man, and I'm gonna fucking buy it. this, John. I didn't know yeah. that that was. I got that, and I got um, I got a collection of Nina Simone's appearances at the Montreux Jazz Festival. Uh, so that'll be cool too. Uh, um, maybe give a recommend. Maybe give a recommendation to people about get get a John get that John Prine album, everybody. Yeah, I reckon John Prine's a wonderful man, wonderful artist. He, um, I always remember I had this one. I had this fantastic teacher in philosophy. Uh, when I did my honours year, he was my supervisor, and he was like, John Prine is my favourite musician ever. John Prine's lyrics yeah. are wonderful lyrics. And uh, and he kept trying to get me to put John Prine lyrics into my thesis, and, the, and I barely passed. Um, sneak, sneak him in. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> this doesn't have anything to do with Kierkegaard. I don't know what you're you saying. You're just saying, saying yeah. And then Kierkegaard <laughs> said, there's a hole in daddy's arm where all the money goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, he's a very, I don't know, how would you describe him? He's like quite, he's quite sort of. He's folky. Folky and sort of playful and writes lyrics about, you know, yeah. kind of um, working class America. He's a classic singer-songwriter. Yeah, but I, I really like him. And he's a very sort of charismatic and and insightful sort of person. Yeah, he's he's like he's like a funnier Dylan. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. But it's not like, like it's di- not they're not like joke songs, <clears throat> but it's just you, you kind of feel like you'd have a better it'd be more fun having a beer with John Prine than Yeah. uh Bob Dylan, which is a shame because Bob Dylan's still alive and John Prine's dead. Yeah, that's the way it goes. That's the way the, that's the way the world, world goes, goes around. around. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, it was an interesting experience. And um, I almost tried ice on the way, which probably would have <laughs> probably would have enriched my experience. But we'll see. Maybe next time. A lot of people will know that Britney Spears has been in the media this week because, as we found out fairly recently, Britney has been under a conservatorship and she was, in fact, uh, freed from that this week after an L.A. court ruled in her favour. Her father, Jamie Spears, has been her conservator since 2008, meaning he was in charge of her estate and financial affairs. Now, you might be asking, what's a conservatorship? A little bit of audience allyship for those who don't know. (laughs) Conservatorship is granted by a court for individuals who are unable to make their own decisions, like those with Mm. dementia or mental illness. Now, typically the person is usually not able to work or make their own money when they're under a conservatorship, which, of course, wasn't the case uh, for Brittany. She was earning millions of dollars doing a Las Vegas residency. Uh, and was making lots of money not only for herself but also staff like dancers, musicians, management, other people involved in the show. Yeah. Uh, and yet her father was her conservator um, mm. uh, in charge of her whole life. Now, John, I had never heard of a conservatorship until the revelations about Britney yeah. and her situation came out in the media this year. And it actually filled me with a newfound sense of hope and optimism because 
I've been quite worried about you as a friend recently. <laughs> and I, of course, have your best interests at heart. Sure. Now, over the last months, uh, myself and a lot of people who love you very much have been watching you slowly descend into madness, what with playing lots of children's video games like Rocket League and watching <laughs> hours and hours of the highly average 90s film True Lies until sunrise <laughs> each morning. Now, your partner, Jacinta's uh, called me several times in tears, uh, saying that you don't shower but instead have up to 17 baths a day. Yeah, and that that's you- true barely talk anymore that you just make TikTok videos where you dance and mime to Leonard Cohen songs. And she says that also you've been eating nothing but Hungry Jack's Whoppers ordered from Uber Eats with no onions and two large fries. And you sit there eating and singing, it takes two hands to handle a Whopper. So... For these reasons and more. <laughs> I don't know why she needed to be so specific. We've all decided that it's in your best interest that I am made mm-hmm. your conservator and take over responsibility for all your affairs. I see. So henceforth, a court in Melbourne has decided that I will be in charge of your finances and uh, yeah. have control over all of your bank accounts. Um, okay. But much, much inspired by Brittany, we've decided yeah. that it's also for your own good and mental health and sense of purpose uh, that you keep working <laughs> as a barrister and earning money. And um, <laughs> I've also installed tracking software on your iPhone to monitor all yeah. your activity. I've also used your own money to hire a private security firm to monitor you uh, 24 hours a day. And you'll notice there's a large man named Anthony dressed in black who's now stationed out front of out the front of your home. At all times. <laughs> and uh, you may also remember last weekend when you were watching the AFL Grand Final and everyone kept mm. encouraging you to keep drinking more and more whiskey and beer. And then you woke up the next day with a bit of a sore groin and you said, what's going on here? And your girlfriend, <laughs> Jacinta, said, oh, you goose, you must have walked into the corner of the kitchen table again when you were drunk. But actually... Um, we gave you a homemade vasectomy while, while you were passed <laughs> out. And uh, we simply cannot have you having kids right now because you're not responsible enough. Yeah. Uh, we'll give you your tubes back when uh, you can you can be relied upon. And we need you to focus on your work right now and mm-hmm. not starting a family. Mm. And uh, I've been arranging a lot of legal work for you over the next months and negotiating <laughs> rates. And I'll have my secretary who I've just employed with your money to brief you after this conversation about a lot of the new cases you'll be taking on. Of course, wow. everything I've done is uh, for you because benefit. I love you and we all love you and it's in your best <laughs> interest. And uh, I think it'll add an interesting dynamic to the podcast, to be honest. I can't deny that some of those things would probably improve my life. Uh, <laughs> I do. I do take too many baths. I readily admit that. I, I was Googling the other day. Can I just stay in the bath forever? And <laughs> and the, and the, can I live in bath? Yeah, <laughs> I said, can I googled, man can man live in bath? I got onto Bing and I go, and I binged. Can man live in bath? And then I read a series of articles about how eventually your skin would just slough off if you stay in the bath forever. <laughs> so so I can't do that. Unfortunately, I mean, people but, must um, have. People must have died in the bath and then been in there a while. I wonder what yeah. what you see when you open the door. Oh, Lord. I, I shouted a thing. I remember being 
I went to this beach in Greece once and I was just like, it was one of the most beautiful beaches I'd ever been to and the water was very salty so you could just kind of float and it was very Mm. calm. And I thought, what would happen if I just said to everyone, I'm just going to set up an IV drip here and (laughs) knock, I'm not getting out. I'm just going to, just going to have my nutrients fed to me through this drip and I'm staying here now. This is my, it's, it's, it's very pretty. It's very calm and I don't want to go back to work. I'm just going to live in the waves. <laughs> Mer- become a merman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, my skin would slough off, so I can't. <laughs> well, thank you. I look forward to this, to this new phase. I've been craving a little bit of external supervision for some time. This is Alex. He's my Jamie Spears. <laughs> can you please put my, can you put my tubes back now, please, Alex? <laughs> oh, soon. Just pat you on the head. You're just holding your groin. Please, my tubes. Soon, soon. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us on this week's episode of Don't Prunk the Machunk with me, John Maloney, and my beautiful friend and co-host, Alexander Holland. We'll see you next time for more Splugs in the Sun. We'll see you next week at the podcast.